Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. We have a special guest here bailing Nick J out because he's partying down in Panama looking at black bellied ducks and uh, probably hot babes. Um, so yeah, I had to, had to find a fill-in. So reached out to buddy old David Goose. What's up, fella? How's it going? Good. How, How was, was your season? Mine was not that great. I mean, it was uh, it was okay. I didn't get out very much. And I had a hard time getting on land again. It's kind of that deal. wasn't so much like getting turned down. I was like, legitimately just finding fields like finding feed fields like it just every time i went uh scouting like i i found nothing I'm like what is going on here sure so yeah it was kind of tough for me uh how was yours you know it went a lot better than i originally thought it would um we had a kind of a rough hatch in my area anyways i don't know what you saw but that being said it went a lot better than <laughs> I had anticipated. We had a pretty good September. Um, we we did luck out. We had like a field that I've hunted for a long time uh, happened to flood this year, and it stayed flooded the whole time. And it and oh. the birds were loafing in it, and so we would shoot them out of there when they were loafing in it. And then on top of that, it was a really good uh, migrator line and a just a constant traffic line um every time we hunted it so that like really 
came in clutch in September. So we were able to kind of just always go there if we didn't have another spot to go and it kept things pretty consistent. Dude, so that was like nice. That's a nice spot, dude. Yeah. And actually the only good hunts I had were on traffic days. You know, we, we got a big, nice, just green hay field, you know, um, and it worked out really good. We had a couple nice shoots out of there. Yeah, they they like do it so greasy into a golf pond too. Like oh, they that. they it's like they decoy to the water. You know, they like see the decoys and then but then it's like they just suck into the water and it, it's like we would maybe cluck at them once or twice to like get their attention and then we would put the calls down and just let them do it and it like it really worked out. So that was kind of like our September deal and. Um, thankfully we were able to even kill some ducks in there early October and, and still just keep running traffic on some geese. Um, October, we kind of like, you know, you know how October goes. It was like slow, but we killed some geese, but it was, there was definitely a lull there towards the end of October. Um, it was kind of a grind there. And then I think it was November 11th. I was obviously up in Fergus Falls. November 11th, it like turned on, like we had the wind, we had the snow, we had everything. And from there on out, we were shooting geese and it was, it was steady and it was really, really good. So I, uh, I don't have any complaints about this year. So I'm very blessed in that aspect. That's good. Yeah. I remember, I remember when that, when the floodgates kind of opened up for that Fergus Dario, that weather, just everybody's social media was just lit up. <laughs> Like it was, it was kind of nuts. Well, now we're a couple season. Or is this the first season since they shut? No, it's the second season since they shut that second. power plant. Yep. So, second. what are your observations now, two years deep into having that plant shut down? <laughs> well, it definitely has changed some things. Um, there is no question about that. You know, the geese still show up. They like they're still they still show up, and I tell everybody this: like when Fergus first turns on i wouldn't want to hunt anywhere else anyways from my experience like like that november 11th when the geese first got there it was it was crazy i mean it was good it was really good for i would say probably three weeks three three and a half weeks and then that's kind of when things started to kind of not not i wouldn't say i mean i would say tough but like they just we didn't have as many geese we didn't have as many geese to work with. Sure. And so the only ones that were there were kind of the ones that knew Fergus really well. And so we just had to adapt and we had to and to move around. But yeah, we definitely lost geese way quicker this season without a question. Well, I mean, it stands to reason, right? It's just a, a huge chunk of water that generally stayed open late. It's just not an option, you know, and obviously the river there stays open a little longer, but it's only so big, you know, it can only hold so many birds right Uh, right and some of those ones that were you know it was kind of weird because a lot of the geese rolled right through um and then a lot of the geese just like left sooner but the ones that stayed in town like those were some stubborn geese and they were like they weren't gonna leave until mother nature said that it is like not safe at all for you to be here. And like when your their survival depends on it, they, those geese were going to leave. And so we hunted the same geese for a while. I mean, we'd get some new ones here and there, but we just had to 
become way better goose hunters. Let's just put it that way. You know, dealing with those stale geese that would had been there for so long and weren't going to leave. You know, so but we still kill geese. You know, it was a crazy day. I was on my way down. I had to come into the cities. I fly out tomorrow for a business trip. But on my way down, I was coming down. Let's see, down 65. There's a there's a couple ponds there west of 65, like like between Cambridge and and Bram. I think a ton of people know this. I don't know who owns that property, but there's always there must be a spring there because there's always some open water and it's usually like filled with swans and stuff like that. But didn't see anything like that today. But when I drove by, there was one lone honker sitting there. Really? Just, just like, I'm I'm just looking at, like, see, I wonder if he's injured. You know what I mean? Like, right. That, it, and he's, and then, then my thought was like, well, how is he surviving? Like, is he just eating whatever weeds grow right there? Or, you know, you know what I mean? I'm like, do you think he was frozen? No, he was swimming in open water. Oh, okay. He was in open water. Okay. Which just makes me think, like, maybe he can't fly or. I don't right. know. It was weird. If there had been more than one, I'd have been like, oh, weird. You know, a small group of like extreme holdouts. But the fact that he was where he was, like that far north, had me thinking, like, I, I wonder if he just can't leave, <laughs> which I feel <laughs> bad for the guy or girl, whatever the case might be. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, and I'm sure there's still a, I haven't been down there really lately, but I'm sure there's still a bunch of geese in the cities. I mean, that probably will never probably won't push south if, if they're still there now you know what i mean yeah but yeah are. one lone goose that is that's strange yeah that's bizarre and so yeah i was around uh, uh between christmas and new year's i was uh my brother came in town so i took him up we did some smallmouth bass fishing there below the monticello dam and we i only saw one flock of uh honkers but, sure you know they, that water stays open you know there's always i don't care i've never gone there and not seen birds not once of some sort i mean that was probably the least amount of geese i've seen but maybe they had did you see options. any swans when you were there oh yeah yeah there's swans around okay yeah. and a few yeah mallards they, i and know they feed them over there a few mall or a, yeah lots of swans a few mallards and a, a bunch of uh golden eyes still whistling okay. around yeah that's but that's pretty standard that's like when we go and fish that in the midwinter that's pretty much what you see <laughs> so that's pretty sure. cool but well you said you had to you had to hunt smart or get better hunting is there anything like you how did you adjust like is there anything you like can look back on and go that i learned something new this year well yeah i mean i i've hunt obviously previous years i've hunted stale geese but this year, I feel like my um, knowledge of how to hunt stale geese was really put to the test, and I feel like I really did learn a lot. And just in the in the fact that, you know, I obviously love to run my goose call, and I love goose calling and everything, but just kind of diving deeper into, you know, how to use a goose call and, like, when to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, the, the thing about Fergus Falls, the way it is now, like, any direction that the geese fly out of town, they're hearing contest calling, like, contest-level yeah. calling. Right. Any direction that they fly out. You know what I mean? Like, every pit in Fergus has a good goose caller in it that can do all the notes and everything. So, it's just kind of one of those things that it just, like, turned into something that you really had to be smart about when you decided to call and maybe, you know, you don't pick up a goose call and just shred on them hard right away when you first see them anymore. Like we used to, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And like, 
or like letting the geese get over the pit before you even, you know, call at all, you know? So it, it was kind of interesting and it kind of brought me back to like kind of that fishing mentality, you know, of having like, having like, you know, 10 rods on the deck and just kind of using your gut and going with whatever you think the fish are going to bite. It was kind of the same thing, you know, I mean, you kind of take it flock by flock and see what works. And that was really what I found that really helped. I mean, that and decoy spreads, but yeah, that, that calling thing, you know, I just, I really learned this year that you can't just do the same thing every time. You know, and, and it's really hard not to. You know, you bring up a good point. I think the analogy to fishing is a good one because just like in fishing, you can kind of get stuck into a rut, or you can, what I say, you fish the past. You're like, well, this is what worked on this lake this time of year last year. You know, and then you just, right. you're like, oh, they must just not be biting, but that you didn't really try anything else. You just stuck to like, this is what I do. This is what works. And I think it's even more so like when you're hunting and you, see geese you pick up it's like your muscle memory just kicks in and you whatever your calling sequence is you know you just you just go for it and then instead of like really mixing up your sequence you just if they ignore you or they flare they do whatever you're just like oh they they just didn't want to play today it's like well or did you just not find what they wanted you know right i mean we try to you know mix it up you know but you know, one flock doesn't do it, and you're like, oh, maybe they don't want to be called that so much. And then you don't call, and then that flock is ignoring you. So then you scream at them, and that doesn't work either. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are days, just like fishing, that what, no matter what you do, it's not going to work. But, like, what are you watching, like, the? I assume you're watching, like, the bird's body language and kind of dictating when to call and when not to call. Yes, yeah. And I noticed, I noticed that I probably saw it more this year than I ever have before. But it's not a flare. And it's like, it's almost kind of, you know how like when geese come out and like skirt your spread when they're really stale, mm-hmm. like you would almost watch them and you would hit that goose call and you would see that skirt and it would just, their direction would just change just enough to where, you know, okay, they don't want that. Yeah. Like they don't want that. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah like you say, it's not a flare. It's just kind of like, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not feeling it. You know, <laughs> they're just like, let's go, right. let's go over here. Right. But those are the same geese too. It, it, like I said, you just kind of have to use your gut and just you do it differently every time. You know what I mean? And, um, I think that there was like some flocks that would fly right over the pit. Right. And I wouldn't touch them with a goose call at all. And if I did, they would, they would like do that skirt, but I would let them get all the way over the decoys, like fly all the way over. And then we would just hammer them. We call it nobody's home is what we call it. And then they would just turn around and you would, and you would kill those. And then you would, you know, obviously do that again and it would like work, but then you would do it on the next flock and it wouldn't. So you would have to be like, okay, like maybe we should scream at these ones. And so it was really kind of just chipping away at what you could. And I killed a lot of geese. I'll tell you this. I killed a lot of geese this year with my goose calls hanging on my lanyard Hmm. more than I ever have before. To me, it kind of makes sense, you know, that kind of the old adage of, like, if they're coming, just let them come. You know, like, yeah. if, if if they're doing it, all, your job at that point is just don't fuck it up. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And right. if you see them maybe losing interest, you know, give them a little bit, and that's, that's where you got to start, like, playing the dance. But sometimes, you know, and Nick and I have talked this, about this 
ad nauseum where it's like sometimes you don't have to call. Like let the decoys do what the decoys do because we've all had the experience where we leave for lunch, we do whatever, we come back and there are geese in the decoys. All right, there was nobody here calling at those. So they came in in deathly silence, obviously. So there's got to be times when there are people in the, the pit or in the spread that that's probably probably the right move too, you know. And sometimes they look like they're skirting you and they're just, they just do that hot lap and they do that one, they do a hot lap around the field and they hook in and just set down, you know. Right. Whether you're calling right. or not. So it's like it might look like they're ignoring you. So then you hit them and then they do that skirt thing. You know, whereas if you just let them, and that's where, like, it comes in. It's easier said than done, you know. Like, it's, you're talking about you're watching these geese, the body language, and you're looking for the tiniest of, like, nuance. Like, did he pick up his wing beats? Like, is he boogieing out, or did he actually slow him down, even though he didn't really change his direction? Because for me, if I see that, then it's like he's thinking about it. And if he starts, right. like, keeps looking to the left kind of, like, he's going to turn, he's going to skirt, just let – just just let them keep coming and see what happens. And then, you know, then it's like be course corrects again, or he picks up his wing beats and, you know, then it's like, well, yeah, hit him with something. Cause he's, he's gone anyway at this point, like this throw the kitchen sink at him. You got nothing to lose, but. Right. And I, I definitely will say too, I, I like learned a, a really good um, like guiding lesson uh, this year, just because there were so many days that I wasn't calling a geese at all. And, you know, I would tell the customers, I'm like, all right, cover up. And it would just be silent, you know. <laughs> and there was one time that, you know, we, one of the customers lifted up their pit lid and stood out. And I'm like, and the geese were like doing it. And so I definitely learned, I'm like, uh, to tell people on, you know, when it's going to be stale weather, when, you know, when it's, when I'm thinking that it's going to be a day that I'm not going to call a lot. To, I always tell the customers like, hey, just because I'm not calling doesn't right. mean they're not yeah. doing it for sure know? and i imagine you've got the the I, I guarantee you had clients on days like that that asked you straight up like why aren't you calling you know oh yeah i've seen it you know these people they watch youtube videos right and so like they this they want the experience a part of that experience is hunting with a, a champion caller or a contest caller you know what i mean and right it's like well you want to hear me call or would you like to kill geese because today you can't have both. <laughs> right. Tomorrow might be different, right. but today you don't get both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, I do love calling a geese and knowing that, like, you know, they react to my calling and them doing it and us grinding them or whatever. I love that. But I also, I've really learned to love just watching them come in silent, you know, mm -hmm. just dropping those feet and just listen to them, hear the, hear the wind, like the wing beats. And when they come in, it's just, it's so cool to like, oh, yeah. even just let them be quiet. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, well, I mean, obviously we like that calling to them. We like the interaction. That's what makes goose hunting and waterfalling in general, just like so addicting. It's that interaction with the, the birds, you know, it's like, that's why turkey hunters are all obsessed about that it's that same interaction you know fooling them bringing them in right. close that's all yeah that's super cool yeah and then there were there were days too when you know we would have to kind of like team call them you know too and like just be really smart about when we called but like work together like each sound like one geese uh one goose and just go back and forth and ride that roller coaster so it was really going back to fishing it was really just hoping that you pick the right lure for the job on that day and, and trying to make it work. And, and, uh, 
yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely different. And I'm like starting to kind of wonder a little bit too, with how fast some of these geese are getting stale when they get to town or they get to a new area. I'm starting to kind of wonder if maybe geese are just inherently getting smarter. Well, I think the, the, the stale geese, if you will, or town geese or the historical geese whatever you want to call them the ones that are you know have it the same area they probably have they're probably getting old you know i mean they've probably seen and heard everything and they're, they're kind of they're just well versed on what's going on you know uh nick and i talked about that oh i don't remember it was a while back but how some of these researchers with the snow geese are like um oh it was yeah we were talking about texas has actually like reduced their limits because what they're finding is like it's only the young birds that are really getting killed and these birds are the adults are just getting older and older and they're the ones that are they're not getting shot because they're wise they're you know they're they've learned to avoid hunters for the most part and so these adults are still going up there and they're still breeding and having successful clutches and what we're killing are like the one and two year olds that haven't even started laying eggs yet so it's like we're not even really doing anything at this point you know and I right. think I, I'd have to, it's a complete conjecture here, but I think Texas is like, well, if we reduce the amount, which one state can't do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like when it comes to snow geese, one state's regulations is not going to change anything. But I think they're like, if we, if there's less pressure, that'll relax the adults a little bit and we can start actually chipping away at the ones that matter. I don't, I don't know if that's what they're thinking is, but it's the only thing that makes sense to me outside of, you know kill as many as oh you can. and i totally agree yeah yep and i'm sure that's happening with honkers you know that oh yeah you're getting these 16 plus old birds that just this ain't their first rodeo <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> the reason we don't kill that many 16 year old bands you know but you know going to the notes and um I haven't really seen it on honkers but it's something to put in the back of my head you know we always try to sound really realistic um, but then we've also seen, we know the day where like you got somebody who can't call very well and they bring in geese, right? So sometimes it, they work in spite of what we would say, like the quality of the call, but there's what I witnessed with snow geese one day that it has to transfer to honkers is we we're out there hunting and it was in the fall. So you couldn't use an e-caller. I was the only one that had a mouth call and I'm ripping on this thing. And on that particular day, there was one single note that they wanted to hear. That was it. You know, I tried sounding like a bunch of different geese, and it's worked in, on other days. You know, it's worked really good. But that day, it was just one bark, and it had to be loud and fast. It was just like, burk, 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 burk. It, it worked so well. Like, I don't remember how many birds we shot that day, but it was like I mean, it wasn't hundreds, but it was, you know, upper 40s or low 50s, something. It was in that range. Um, and these were all, like, singles, doubles, triples that were coming in. They weren't, like, big flocks. We were running traffic. And it was a it was a lot of fun, but it's, like, took a ton of lung capacity and power. <laughs> it got to the point where, and I've told this story in it before, but it's, like, it kind of became a joke because it, it really was a particular direction too seemed to be the most vulnerable to birds and single on the right or single on the left whichever one it was i don't remember anymore became like the thing so I'm like sing on the left and i would just go oh god 
take a deep breath <laughs> and that thing would turn and start working and it's like if i tried anything else they would just keep flying it was it was the weirdest thing but I, that has to happen with honkers too where there might be a day you know if you're in a day and it's stale birds and what you're doing isn't working just start trying stuff even if it sounds stupid you might be surprised you know, right. there's, there's something to be said, even drawing on that fishing analogy, there's something to be said about using something that is just massively different because these stale birds or stale fish, whichever, have seen everything. They're seeing the same lure. They're, they're hearing the same call, and they're seeing the same decoy spreads. So think outside the box. Think, think just hit them with weird shit. You know, maybe use a right. snow goose call. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, just, I mean, what do you got to, at that point? What do you have to lose if they're ignoring you anyways? You know, there's an element of that FOMO that we as hunters have to get rid of. You know, it's like, well, I got to stick to the tried and true because what if we don't shoot a bird? Well, then you don't shoot a bird. But on those days you're not shooting birds anyways, you don't really have anything to lose. So ditch the FOMO and just try some stupid shit. right why not right it's crazy too dale that we're like having this conversation because i remember probably one of the first one of the first podcasts i did with you we were talking about the introduction or the reintroduction of silhouette decoys and how everybody's running bigger spreads now because of that and like you know and now a couple years later we're talking about this and i like have noticed a little bit too and i'm not saying big spreads don't work and I, I don't rule anything out for goose hunting. I really don't. But I do not think that a big spread has the same effect that it used to. And I do think on stale geese, some days the big spread can hurt you in many aspects. You know what I mean? I like less is more, even when you're running traffic, like out of a pit, you know, I agree. Just and from I, and that I, different aspect. And I agree. And it, I'm seeing the same thing with snow geese too. Um, you know, it was the one year, was, I think it was, was it two years ago? might have been three years ago. Where I, this is going to sound weird, but, like, I accidentally ran, like, a, just a massive spread. I didn't realize how many socks I put out. It was me and my buddy Austin, and we just went to set, and, you know, and in my mind, you know, I was like, well, how many bags or how many decoys are in one of these bags? And I think somebody told me, like, well, I think it's right around 100. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I want, like, you know, I want 1,200 decoys out or whatever. So I brought a trailer load of six bags down and put them out. So without really counting, I just went back and got six more bags. Well, there was way more than a hundred per bag. <laughs> we didn't figure that out until it came time to pick it up. And I remember getting a call or text from Dean, like, Christ, how many decoys did you put out? <laughs> like you've been out there picking them up all day. And I'm like, I don't know. So I picked up, I don't remember how many, and I know Austin picked up how many. And so it was like, after the fact, I did the math. I was like, gosh, dude, we had like 2,100 decoys out there. So it was almost twice as many that I thought. And did it hurt us? I don't think so. We shot, you know, my field did pretty average with what everybody else was doing on any given day, you know. And you throw in the one day where this field does better or you do better and they don't, whatever. But it's season-wide, it didn't really seem to – it definitely didn't benefit us. Like, we, I didn't, I didn't shoot a shit ton more because I was running more decoys. And then the next year – and especially last year, they started running like much smaller decoy spreads, and actually did. I felt like we did kill more, and the birds worked better, you know. And right. like Austin would run because it would just be him on a fun hunt, and so he didn't want to run like his whole trailer. He'd put out like 
300 full body decoys and just have a great shoot by himself. You know, it's like, it goes back to what we're exactly what we're talking about. These old geese and he's shooting adults, you know, that's the other thing. He was shooting adults, um, shot his second, this last season shot his second blue face Ross. What a bitch. <laughs> it's just not fair, but, uh, cause I've yet to see one. Right. But that, but that point of these older birds, they've seen every big decoy spread and heard all the e-collar tracks and, you know, all of it. So think outside the box. And I'm sure it helps. It's only, he's only trying to hide one person too. You have to take that factor into account, but these smaller spreads, who's running that, especially for snow geese, like most outfitters, even most uh, hobbyists would be like, you're only running 300. Screw that. You know what I mean? Like, like their brain set is just like, so bigger is better. And I think the same thing goes with honkers. Like I think a smaller, more real setup, is you know it's like it's almost like what you're seeing on youtube don't do that right because that's what right. every, that's whatever like hobbyist is going to do they're going to run out and they're going to you know they have their five six six dozen decoys yeah and when the dive bombs and everything got popular and everybody bought 10 dozen and everybody ran you buy you buy a decoy you're putting it out <laughs> so everybody's <laughs> running the exact same spread right right and obviously like when i say this like i'm i like there's still your weather days that, you know, like you're just really greasy goose hunting days where big spreads, small spreads, calling and everything like you shoot geese. But yeah. like your stale weather days and when the geese have been in town, when you go out and scout and you find the feed and the geese come out of town and circle the feed six times before they go down, that's when I feel like the di different is better, the less calling, maybe smaller spread. You know what I mean? Like you'll watch them circle their own kind yeah, six, exactly. seven times before yeah, they go down. For when sure. When like that. I think when you're hunting the actual X, I think it, it – I mean almost any time, but for sure when they're stale, like you really need to be a fly on the wall. Like – you need to be inconspicuous. Don't run a ton of decoys. These birds are stale. They've been feeding in this field now for four or five days or whatever the case might be. This is, they have home field advantage. You know, right. they're coming to the field and they're like, why are there geese in this field already? Like, we're always the first flock. You know, I'm, I'm humanizing them, you know, whatever. They're not having those conversations. Right. I, I don't, sure. I don't know those guys down there. I'm getting, yeah, yeah. But, but they're, they're like, something's different. You know, like this is their home field. They're going to know. And that's when it, you really go. And again, you got to like, you have to be able to shed that FOMO. You have to be willing to take an L it be, on those stale days because there's a chance you're going to take an L pulling right. out, pulling your tried and true anyways. So. You, well, I remember there was one day, there was one day that we went and we killed our 12 man limit out of a pit. But it was like, a, I mean, we scratched at them. I mean, it was like, they were tough, but we were able to get our 12 man. And um, I was taking the same group to the same pit. And um, I had the, my buddy Logan was running the hunt with me. And we were like, you know, like if we do exactly what we did today, we're going to get our ass kicked. And so we kind of had to look at it and be like, we, we're going to look at this spread we're going to set tomorrow as a hero or zero. Like we're either, it's either going to work great or it's not. And 
But at the same time, I don't think what we did today is going to work again. It's just not. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's perfect. I think that's the exact right, the right mentality and the right move in that situation. Right. Because, again, what do you have to lose? You're like, this. they ain't going to fall for this twice. You know, like, we barely got them today. Like, without weather change, this this obviously isn't the magic ticket. No, I think that's I think that's super smart. Uh, how how was your band ratio this year? Um, I didn't run into that many bands this year. I really didn't. But uh, Pit Properties as a whole, we had some hunts where there were a lot of bands shot. I think if I remember right, you met Duncan at Game Fair, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Duncan had a group one day. I want to say they shot into a flat, like a five pack or something. And I think four double bands rained out of it. Good Lord. I know when the girls were up there, there was a girls hunt that, you know, the annual girls hunt up there. They did. I think they got some bands this year. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was just bad luck this year or what the deal was, (laughs) but I didn't watch that many die this year. Well, that sucks. uh, How was the, how was the calling circuit for you? It was, it was pretty good. Yeah. I, let's see, where did I go? I went to, I, well, first of all, they, um, re- they like changed the date of the dive bomb contest and I ended up getting married on that day. Oh, so man. it was kind of, it is what it is. I, you know, I, my wedding's more important obviously, but so I missed the dive bomb contest. I, <laughs> I felt bad. I was pulling everybody <laughs> from, <laughs> I, inv- cause I invited so many people that were going to be at the contest. You know what I mean? And there was, there was a good chunk of them that came to my wedding. So I'm very like thankful for that and very sure. blessed for that. But, um, so I didn't go to dive bomb and then I went to the Minnesota state contest in Rochester. That was a really sweet contest put on by Mike Benjamin. That was really cool. Um, and let's see, I did, I took third in state, uh, third in the open, the home of the giants open. They brought that back. That was like a contest they used to do, um, for a long time in Rochester. And then they kind of, went away for a while, but then they brought it back this year. So that was kind of cool. And I went down to Illinois, down to Presley's the weekend after that. And that was kind of a tough contest for myself. Um, I think I took like fifth in the novice goose down there because they changed the rules for the novice. I don't know if you heard about that. I might have. The International Callers Association. It was a group of contest callers. I'm I'm on the board. I, I help with some things, but they revamped the rules for contest calling now to where you have to win five novice contests to be disqualified from a novice. Okay, I didn't hear that. Yeah, and I love it personally because now when I travel to a contest, I can com- for sure compete in two contests because I can blow in the novice contest okay. as well as the open. Sure. So I think at the Minnesota State contest in Rochester, I had the Minnesota State, I had the Novice Goose, and then I had the Home of the Giants open. So I blew nine routines that day, which is a lot of goose routines for one day <laughs> on stage. So, but, but it was awesome practice. It was the first contest of the year, and I I was all about it. I I love it. So, yeah, the the new Novice rules are awesome in my opinion. My buddy. Uh, I was super pumped for my buddy Austin Shelander. He walked away with the Minnesota State title. That was a first for him, and he he had a heck of a year. Um, and was then that I went at to Game Fair. Uh, that was at Mike Benjamin's contest in Rochester, oh, okay. the Coyote Creek contest. Yep. And then and then we had Game Fair after the Illinois con after Presley's, 
And uh, I think I walked away with uh, second in the two-man with my buddy Cody Palin. I think you hunted with Cody. Yeah, you had him on the podcast. That's right, when you mm-hmm. came to Fergus. Me and him took second in the two-man. And I took, uh, I want to say, third or fourth in the novice there. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good year. I definitely have some things I'm going to tweak this year. But that those novice contests are stacked, man. It, it's there's some heavy competition in those novice contests now. It's so good it's to really see. fun. Yeah, it's yeah. good to see because it was kind of it seemed like it was kind of dying a little bit. And you know, I don't know you 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 would have a better gauge than me. But even Nick says like the numbers still aren't like as good as they once were. But it, I I feel like there's less people doing it, but the competition is stiffer. Would that be accurate? Yes. Yep. And I think everybody has their own theory as to why the numbers went down. Obviously I haven't been in it super, super long. I mean, I've been contest calling for, I think since 2017 was my first contest. So a few years now, but, um, and they've kind of, the numbers were really good when I, well, not really good, but they were probably the best I've seen when I first got into it. And then there was a little lull kind of there. And, but now with the ICA novice contests, um, they're starting to go back up again, which is, I think is super cool. I think at the Minnesota state contest, um, in the novice, I want to say we had like 18 or 20, I think maybe even 20 plus, which is, that's a lot of goose callers. So it's good to see, but I definitely think you're onto something when you say, you know, the, the, just the amount of talent and what, what, the novice guys are doing compared to what they used to be. I mean, that probably intimidates some people, but I don't know. I, I think it's super fun to be able to compete in a novice contest where you, you know, you have the top eight guys could have all won it. You know, I yeah. think that's really cool. Well, like when I was there uh, at game fair, filling an MC in that one day and it was, that was more duck call than, than goose, but that, you know, the novice, that one little kid that was there just ripping, like, I don't know. What was he? Nine? Or twelve, or like, he was tiny. He was just a little kid, and I can't believe it. Like he actually was pretty good, you know. So I don't know if it's YouTube, if it's what it is. Like, but yeah, it's 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 good a to see that young of a kid really get into it, have the courage to get up there and do it. Like, think that needs to be mentioned, but then do it, you know, fairly well. Like you have to look out for that kid in the future for sure. But if you're thinking of getting in, and I'd hope like that's not scaring anybody off, you know, like I don't want to be like, well, I don't want to start because I'm just gonna get my ass kicked. Like, no, like it would be nice to see more people get into it for sure. Um, but just know you're gonna have to get good. Like this is right. This not gonna be a gimme. Like you're gonna have to work at it. Yeah, for sure. And there's so much in this. I feel like in this day and age too. There's so much instant gratification. And I mean, there's people, you know, kids grow up getting participation trophies and you just got to like, understand if you're going to go into a competitive environment like that, it's not like that, you know, like you need to work and you need to be okay getting your ass kicked and you need to be okay losing and you need to be okay with that. And you just need to push through it. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's no way around it in my opinion, you know, like every contest caller up there, has had rough contests, has stuck the call, has been cut first round, and it's just about keep showing, keeping showing up and just keep working at it. And it's just so much fun. It really is. And yeah, I, I'm super pumped for contest season this, this summer here. So, well, I think you're a good example. I think you're a good ambassador to the, 
I don't know if you call it, want to call it a sport, but you know, watching your social media and there's you just off season ripping away in your garage, you know, like there's no time to slack off, you know, it's like always striving to be better. I think that's, I think that's good for these young callers and new callers to see, you know, that kind of dedication. It's that kind of stuff that motivates you, you know, to, for them to get up off their ass and, and get into it. Yeah. It's probably, it's like, it's kind of become how I relax too, you know, just me and, and, uh, all by myself with my goose call, just focusing on what I'm trying to work on. And, and then just, you know, it's, it, it's kind of cool because you like, I don't want to call it. <laughs> there's nothing all that athletic about goose calling, but when you blow a 90 second routine, you're like out of breath. At the yeah, end, you know, sure. yeah. <laughs> like it's, it, it definitely, uh, yeah, it definitely takes some work and it takes some practice and it takes a lot of doing it because, when you blow a goose call for 90 seconds and you're trying to use as little air as possible and trying to control where you breathe, like, yeah, it's kind of, it's definitely a good stress reliever for myself. I've noticed. So it's like one of my favorite ways to relieve stress for sure. Yeah. It's probably like archery or, you know, almost any kind of specialized uh, talent. Like when you're really honing that thing and you're doing that thing, there's no room in your brain for anything else. Like you have to be, just laser focused on that one thing you know i think that's and that's good because it gives your it gives your brain a rest from just the noise from everything else you know and you just you're singularly focused on on one thing i think that's healthy i think everybody should have a hobby that that's somewhat like that just quiet your mind but right um, well we are in the off season so what's what's next i don't you don't really do much of the snow goose hunting thing do you no, I like I'm thrown around the idea of getting into it because like I don't know, it was like a good season and when it was like over, I wasn't ready to be done and I'm still like sitting there like I'm not ready to be done. So <laughs> I'm like this year of all years, I'm like I I might go and shoot snow geese this year, or at least try. Like I just want to keep going and going and going. So I don't know. Maybe you'll see me. Maybe you'll see me with a white sweatshirt on this spring. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's you know. It's it's not. It's definitely not the same as hogger hunting for sure. Because you're, you know, the number of birds you're dealing with. It's, it's. But you can. But like I said, you know, if you got some buddies that got you know some, uh, f- full bodies. It. The last couple of years, it's been a little more like honker hunting, smaller spreads, and it was a little more intimate, and we've been seeing success. So, worth a shot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Are well, you going to be running customers with snows again this year, or what are you thinking of yeah, that? Yeah, probably gonna... not this year because I took that new job up north, and I just don't know how that's like. It's just there's just too much up in the air. Like I don't know what my schedule would be like. Like if I was able, like what I got for PTO or what how I could do that if I could somehow manage to work your mold while hunting i don't know um just probably not this year so i'm taking this year off we'll see we'll see what happens next year but sure so this year i, I hope to just get a couple fun hunts in and head out there with the with the homies because i gotta get some I, I need some snow goose meat i can't you know i gotta have it it's good it's good stuff Sure, but I don't know. Well, let's wrap this thing up, Goose. Thanks you, uh, thank you very much for filling in for old Nicholas. This was good. It was kind of either going to be that or me rambling about nothing or just not doing it this week, and I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to do that. So 
for sure. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk goose hunting with you, Dale. Absolutely. Tons of fun. All right, everybody. Well, you might as well, people are just new to you. You might as well give them your, like, social media if they want to follow you. Yeah, uh both Instagram and TikTok are just my name, David Goose, and then underscore, but there's no E after the S, just David G-O-O-S underscore. And uh, I believe it's just my name on YouTube as well. The good Lord just blessed him with that name as a goose hunter. <laughs> it's just it's unbelievable. Are you still selling uh, sweet swag? Yeah, yep, Goose Brand, goosebrand.com. We got hoodies, and I just put a bunch of new hats on there. So. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Everybody go check them out. All right. All right, David. That was awesome. We will talk to you again in the future, I am sure. Sounds good, Dale. Thanks again. Later, dude.